It's April 18th and welcome to The Wind Down, a recap of the week's news produced by Swinburne University's The Standard. I'm your host, Aditi Kutti. Among today's headlines, twerking for the Navy and how bad editing can make women feel unsafe. Also coming up, I speak to Eddie Russell about Hawthorne's iconic playground rocket. Plus, we hear your thoughts on receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine. This week in news, Twerkgate was trending on Twitter after a dance troupe was hired by the Navy for the commissioning of a new ship. Video of the dance, performed by Woolloomooloo Group 101 Doll Squadron, was spliced with cutaways of stone-faced military leaders and went viral amongst both conservatives, who found it inappropriate, and others who felt that it was objectifying and degrading in light of the government's recent scandals around its treatment of women. Details later emerged that there was no audience present for the performance and that the video had been edited to misrepresent the event. In a statement, representatives of 101 Doll Squadron have said they are disappointed with the ABC's deceptive editing and choice of camera angles. We found this very creepy, they said, and reflects more on the ABC camera operator and their need to sexualize women. They say that they have been under personal attack and have felt unsafe. The ABC has since apologized for the video. An emotional Scott Morrison announced that remaining troops in Afghanistan will be removed from the war-torn country by September. It comes just days after US President Joe Biden announced American troops would be withdrawn as well. Meanwhile, a new AFP task force has been launched to investigate accused war criminal Ben Robert Smith. The Victoria Cross recipient allegedly buried sensitive material on a USB in his backyard, which included confronting images of soldiers in KKK white hoods and drinking out of a prosthetic leg from a diseased Afghan soldier. Robert Smith denies all claims against him. A 48-year-old woman has died in hospital several days after receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine. The TGA says the woman had underlying health conditions and an autopsy would be needed to determine the exact cause of death, but that the vaccine is a likely cause. This comes after two other cases of blood clotting, including one in Victoria. Both cases are recovering in hospital. Australia's preferred choice of vaccine is currently the Pfizer. Lauren Bonica has more about the AstraZeneca vaccine and on campus. You can tell us your thoughts on Twitter or Instagram at Swin Journalism. More news on the vaccines earlier this week. On Wednesday, Scott Morrison announced Australia would be returning to a war footing against the coronavirus and the struggle to get on top of the vaccination rollout. Australia's cabinet will now meet twice a week from Monday, meeting with state and federal leaders. Morrison also took this opportunity to backtrack on his initial plan to avoid mass vaccination hubs, which he said will have to be done in partnership with states and territories. He remains optimistic that everyone could still get an offer for one vaccination dose by the end of the year, but no new vaccine targets or a vaccine timetable have been announced since the falling of the targets. Meanwhile, Trade Minister Dan Tien is being shipped off to Europe in the aim to secure more vaccine doses. Trade Minister Dan Tien appeared on RN Breakfast with Fran Kelly on Wednesday, April 14th to talk about the vaccine rollout. We have to remember that that we're dealing with a pandemic. We're also dealing with a situation where uh, other countries overseas are are still uh, in the the midst of lockdowns, are still dealing with the pandemic um, and the spread of the pandemic. And so they've obviously had to take decisions. Now, some of those we don't agree with, but they've impacted on the, the flow of the vaccine here in Australia and how, how then we've, we've had to deal with our own rollout. So, 
After the blockage of 250,000 AstraZeneca vaccines, there are still concerns about future shipments getting to Australian shores. Tien says he will apply vaccine diplomacy on his mission to seek further 3 million doses of previously promised AstraZeneca. This week, we want to know, are you concerned with the COVID vaccine? I'm Lauren Bodica, and this is On Campus. Yeah, I do care. I, I'm like interested in getting it. I think it's like worthwhile, so. Are you worried about like the information that's come out about AstraZeneca, that kind of thing? I actually haven't heard anything about that, so okay. I'm not sure. Probably look into it uh, just to be 100% safe that nothing's bad going to happen, so. Obviously the government can be a bit weird sometimes, but I'm pretty trustworthy that they've, you know, done all the tests they can. So, uh, and I think it's something we need to do. So I'm happy to get it when it becomes available. Probably look into it uh, just to be 100% safe that nothing's bad going to happen, so. Not necessarily. To be honest, I'll probably still get it, so. Yeah, whatever's on offer. Yeah. If I get it, I get it. Like, just be happy with what you get. I haven't really been keeping up that much with it. People said, like, you're not allowed in certain things because of it, so I don't really want it to affect my, like, life. I haven't paid too much attention, to be honest. Why is that? Um, I know, selfish reasons, really. It doesn't affect me as much as it would an older person. I definitely should look into it, considering, like, everyone's got grandparents and, like, family and stuff. I'm not concerned at all. I'm actually really keen to get it. I've seen a lot of people who are anti-vax, like, over in the States. It's actually, like, quite disappointing to see people have that attitude towards it after everything we've gone through. So I'm really, like, pro-vaccination. And now back to the wind down. Ex-tropical cyclone Saroja has left an estimated 29,000 homes in WA without power, with at least seven properties destroyed and more than 50 homes and businesses damaged. The 170 kilometer an hour winds arrived through the Western Australian coast south of Kalbari, impacting approximately 40% of the tourist town. Fireys and emergency services have been joined by army reserves in the recovery effort. Scott Morrison visited the community and oversaw the recovery effort. While he was greeted with hugs in the regional town, footy fans at the Eagles and Pies game in Perth weren't too happy to see him. Peaceful protests have begun in the US city of Chicago over the police shooting of 13-year-old Adam Toledo. It comes within a week after Dante Wright was shot by a police officer in Minneapolis. Kim Potter, who has now resigned, was found guilty of Wright's manslaughter. The deaths come amidst already heightened tensions between minority groups and the police during the trial over the murder of George Floyd. Floyd's death sparked a resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement and global protests against anti-black racism and police brutality. Hong Kong marked its first ever National Security Education Day in a move to hammer in security laws that were imposed on the semi-autonomous territory last year. School children as young as three were taught about the importance of national security the Chinese constitution, and were encouraged to participate in a flag-raising ceremony. The controversial legislation covers a broad range of offences, including anything Beijing deems as subversive. Students were seen chanting their support in the mainland and expressing hope to be one with the rest of the country. More than 100 people have been arrested since the new security legislation was implemented in June. Japan is set to release over 1 million tonnes of nuclear wastewater into the Pacific Ocean left over from the Fukushima disaster 10 years ago. The water contains radioactive material tritium, which is not harmful in small amounts, and will be released in diluted form over decades. Japanese Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga insists the policies around this will be strict, 
and water will only be released when it is safe to do so. The US, who form part of the strategic alliance the Quad, along with Australia and India, has approved the transparency of the process, but it has drawn ire from China and South Korea. Greenpeace Japan says the release completely disregards the human rights and interests of the people in Fukushima, wider Japan, and the Asia-Pacific region. Australia is looking to ban single-use plastics by 2025. A national meeting of environment ministers confirmed they would phase out eight types of plastic they deemed unnecessary, including plastic cutlery and straws. The move was noted by conservationists as significantly weaker than a recommended overhaul of environmental laws and that tough regulation would be required to make sure industry targets are complied with. He is trench nice with sport. Thank you, Aditi. This week has been a huge week for women's sport. On Sunday the 11th of April, the W League Grand Final played out between Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory, with the Melbourne side coming out on top 1-0, thanks to an extra time 120th minute goal from Kira Cooney Cross. Saturday the 17th of April saw the AFLW Grand Final contested between the Adelaide Crows and the Brisbane Lions. Brisbane stormed home to win by 18 points after a slow start from both sides. Unbelievably, Adelaide had 44 inside 50s to Brisbane's 24, but just couldn't put on scoreboard pressure, leaving the Lions to roar home and win their maiden grand final. Meanwhile in men's sport, Wednesday the 14th of April showcased world football at its best in the Champions League. English sides Chelsea and Manchester City progressed through their semi-final showdowns, whilst French side PSG and Spanish powerhouse Real Madrid also progressed. Round 5 of the men's AFL season kicked off with St Kilda hosting Richmond at Marvel Stadium, the scores ending up 7-6-48-2014-134 Richmond's way. And lastly in sport, a tennis tournament has hit off at the famous Melbourne Park. In a nationwide first, the deaf and hard of hearing are competing alongside intellectually disabled players in a four-day tournament, which showcases everyone's tennis abilities in a fun yet competitive way. And Aditi, that's it for sport this week on The One. I spoke to Eddie Russell about the fear around the Hawthorne playground rocket. Why did council say they would take it down if they never intended to do so in the first place? Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Do you want to go through a quick rundown of what your story is about? Yeah, no worries. The rocket in Hawthorne's Central Gardens and... It's existed for over 50 years, this rocket structure that kids play on. It's probably 10 feet tall. Council, Barundra Council, had plans to take that down and as a result, uh, the council received a lot of backlash from the community, a lot of sentimental memories and attachments to that rocket from people who have lived in Hawthorne since that rocket has been in that playground. And since then... We've heard from Councillor Westgold that they will be keeping the rocket after a petition, which was signed by 11,000 people, reached council, and that was pretty much the deciding factor. So 11,000 people is a lot. Yeah. Um, did you manage to speak to any of the people who were um, who signed this petition or were perhaps outraged by the taking down of the rocket? Yes, we did. We talked to two people, and they were not only signed the petition, but they also were a part of the Save the Rocket campaign Facebook group which had about 150 odd members so there was a serious push for this their main argument for it was that you know it's heritage it's got history it's iconic I talked to mother of two who had moved from New South Wales to Hawthorne about 15 years ago 
and she distinctly remembers her first memory of arriving in the area as seeing the rocket from outside the window of the train. And since then, she's been taking her kids there, you know, every day after kindergarten and school. So it's that sort of, the bridge of those two very important memories has been the leading part of why they've kept this rocket. And why were they intending on taking it down in the first place? According to the Council of Galt, in a council meeting a couple of weeks ago, it was to test public opinion, get a gauge of how invested the community were in council operations and these sort of things. The other thing was that they were also undertaking structural inspections. So looking at the safety of the rocket and how you know safe it, the equipment was to play on for children. But again, it was more of a test. It was poking the bear almost. So it wasn't even really a serious suggestion? You're trying Despite to th- the council website saying that they had they were taking submissions for new playground designs and they had a council landscape and design team at the playground they shut it down for a couple of days to get the layout of like the land and you know the area it seems a bit of a step back like they've almost backtracked a little bit on that but they had serious plans by the sounds of it to get rid of it and i think they've been the provocation of the community really put them on the back foot. It almost seems a little bit Machiavellian, like a big scheme to see if people were paying attention. But I, something tells me, and the people I talked to and um, the residents that I talked to were suspecting of that too when I told them that. They were, they were under the impression that it was just uh, covering up. It really does sound like there was some kind of cover-up, especially if they were making plans to yeah. rejig the playground or at least taking the measurements yeah. and everything. And on the council website, there's still mm. the plant, the, the submission for plans is still up there and they it's still up there that they said that by the end of 2021, they'll be redoing it. But the, the news hasn't quite followed up yet, I don't think, on the council website. I think there's a bit of a delay. And when we tried to talk to the councillor, a couple of days before we actually got him to talk to us, he referred us immediately to their media department. The media department told us that they didn't have the facilities or the time to talk to journalists or the media and that they would be releasing a press release later in the month. But then a couple of days later, he was more than happy to talk to us and tell us that the rocket was being kept. So it's all a little bit murky, but we are under the impression that it will be saved anything else to add there was some parliamentary support to keep the rocket josh frydenberg released a video on his all his social media mm. at the park saying why we huh. should keep it i'm here at rocket park and more than six thousand locals have joined the campaign so that the planning out equipment stays in place there's plenty of rocket rage going around in rocket park yeah. <laughs> tim smith issued a statement of support so there's a serious push to hang on to this rocket mm-hmm. and it's got a lot of heritage value it's a it's almost a sign of the times it was built in the late 60s you know, the space race going on landing on the right. moon yeah uh, yep. yeah i think people have a big attachment to the history yeah and, and then then it's just a great attraction for young people and another note from a lot of people was that they're sick of their very generic plastic adventure playgrounds mm-hmm. you know and gentrification of that 
yeah, about exactly. the, the direction that this has been taken. Especially since playgrounds, yeah, like you said, playgrounds tend to be so generic nowadays. They enjoy seeing their kids have a level of adventure. The mother I talked to said that she was uh, worried that she'd have to climb up and get her son into the rocket, um, but she was more worried about getting in there herself. Okay. As, uh, but he eventually came down. Right, so okay, that, that's good. It, 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 not so much a safety point as they had to go home and he didn't want to go home. <laughs> and it's quite a tight space, you know, it's, it is for kids, it is, that rocket. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of safety, yeah, I think, I think it's more just to do with you know, change and taking away something that's beloved by a community. But it's definitely something that's generated interests beyond the boundaries of Hawthorne and, you know, the Barundura Council. Thank you so much for sitting down with us and having a chat about this article today. No worries. I'm really looking forward to seeing it coming out. Yeah, and fingers crossed we hear a response from the council and everyone goes home happy. Yes, hopefully. It seems like a lot of people have been um, turned upside down by this one, but hopefully it resolves well. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much. Cheers. The link to Eddie's article, co-reported with Dylan Banachek, is linked in our description. You've been listening to The Wind Down. Be sure to check out our socials at Swin Journalism. And now, back to the show. To wrap up this week's news, here's what caught my interest this week. A Canadian MP has apologised after appearing au naturel in a virtual parliament sitting. The indiscretion was pointed out by a fellow parliamentarian who said that a new record had been set. And, uh, we have seen that the member was in very good shape but I think that uh, this member should be uh, reminded of what is appropriate and to control his camera. Thank you. The offending minister said he didn't realise his camera was on as he was changing into his work clothes after a jog and that it won't happen again. Today's episode of The Wind Down was written by Millie Spencer, Lauren Botica, Trent Nice and myself. Our editor was Lauren Botica and it was produced in collaboration with Eddie Russell, Two Doe and Emily Lee. Album artwork is by Emily Lee. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Swin Journalism or on our website, theswinstandard.net. I'm Aditi Gutti. Thank you for listening to The Wind Down.